Chapter 8, A Midnight Ride. It was mid-April when something finally did happen. The British army had gotten wind that the colonists were hiding weapons in the city of Concord. The plan was to find and destroy the supplies. I had heard Paul talk this over with his buddies. They knew the British would come. The only question was when and how. It was a Tuesday evening, and Paul and his family were gathered around the dinner table. There was a swift knock at the door. Paul's wife answered it and told him, Hey, Dr. Joseph Warren to see you, darling. Paul rose from the table and headed toward the door. From my spot on his top collar button, I went with him. Dr. Warren, what news do you bring? Dr. Warren spoke with a trembling voice. The troops are mobilizing, sir. They are not in their normal posts. We fear they are headed out to arrest the good men, Adams and Hancock, then on to Concord for the supplies. One of Paul's little girls ran up to him and tugged on his pant leg. Oh, Daddy, do come back inside. Your supper is getting cold. Get him back inside, child. This is not the time. She let out a whimper and ran back into the house. I had never seen Paul speak to his children that way. What task are you giving me, doctor? Go to Reverend Clark's, where Adams and Hancock are staying. I have already sent Dawes ahead to alert them. Be sure they have received the message. Go on to Concord and tell the militia that the regulars are coming. Yes, sir, replied Paul. You won't be able to tell you won't be able to tell the troops are coming by land or by sea. Yes, I will. We made a plan last week in case this were to happen. One of my men will hang lanterns in the old North Church steeple. One, if the troops come by land. Two, if coming by sea. Fun fact, the old North Church is still there in Boston. If you're ever in Boston, you can go see it. Why, that's genius, said Dr. Warren. One if by land, two if by sea. Then if you get caught, the Sons of Liberty in Charleston will still be able to spread the news. Plan for the worst, hope for the best. That's what I say. I had best get going, said Paul. The two men shook hands. Godspeed, my friend, said Dr. Warren. I felt a rush of excitement and adventure. Paul returned to the house and changed into his riding clothes. He kissed his wife and each of his children. Take care of them, son, he said to Paul Jr. If I am caught, it might be some time before I can return to Boston. With that, we were out of the door and into the street. Paul quickly headed to the north side of town where he met two men. They made no small talk. There was no time. All three got into a small boat and rowed across the water. The moon was rising in the sky. The men were silent as they crossed the water, watching with careful eyes. We reached the shore close to Charleston. More men waited for us there. We have seen several mounted troops, one of them said. Something is surely afoot. I'll be needing a horse, Paul said. A man stepped forward with a lovely mare. Deacon Larkin has been kind enough to loan you this horse. She's fast and sure-footed. That will do, said Paul. Did you see the signals then? Yes, we did. Two lanterns. The regulars are coming by sea. All right, then, said Paul. I'm off to spread the warning. We mounted the horse and rode off at a fast gallop. The men were right. The horse was fast. I held on to Paul's coat. It was a cool night, and the wind whips whipped around us. It wasn't long before Paul stopped at a house and banged on the door. 
A man, who's still fully dressed despite the time of the night, answered the door. Captain, said Paul, the troops are coming by sea. The plan, they plan to capture Adams and Hancock and then take Concord. Ready your militia. Aye, Paul, said the captain. In a flash, we were out the door and back at a full gallop. As we went along, Paul stopped at certain houses and shouted, The regulars are coming! By the regulars, of course, he meant the British Army. At house after house, it was like that. As we went along, it seemed like we were traveling faster and faster. I looked behind us and saw people coming out of their homes. The regulars are coming! Shouted Paul again and again. I felt that I was part of something important. If we did not alert the colonists, who would? There was no other way to communicate except person to person. Paul Revere was determined to get the news out. When he arrived at the home of Reverend Clark, he wasted no time. He told Sam Adams and John Hancock what was going on. He took a brief rest to eat and then came back out the door and on his horse. There were more people to alert. I listened to the horse's hooves pound into the earth. Suddenly the horse swelled her gait. Had she heard something? Wait! Over there, I thought I saw a flash of red in the moonlight. The horse must have seen it too, as she slid to a stop. We were surrounded by four red coats on horses. We had been caught! What would happen now? There was no way to be sure, so I just kept quiet. Would anyone notice if I slowly swooped away? Your name, sir? And state your business, said one of the officers. I hoped he wouldn't tell them the truth. It was the only safe thing to do. He must not have thought so. I am Paul Revere, a silversmith from Boston. I ride to deliver news of the troop movements to the colonists. The officer said some ugly things that I won't repeat here. You'll have to come with us. They searched him for weapons, and then we were on our way. I wondered what would happen to us. Paul Revere was a traitor, after all. After all, he had betrayed King George and the British Army. It's times like these that I'm glad to be a water molecule. I can't really choose a side, after all. All I can do is watch and see what happens. We had ridden for a while when one of the officers came back and said to Paul, We'll be taking your horse. You'll have to fend for yourself. I think we should just shoot him, said one of the other officers. He's not worth our time. Besides, we have to get moving or we'll miss the action. The men took the horse and rode away. Paul and I stood under the moonlight. What would happen to us now? Wow, that was pretty awesome. Of course, many of us know this story, know this part. Um, so yeah, we can only make a prediction about what comes next, what came after um, Paul Revere's ride. So amazing, awesome. And, and again, if you ever get a chance to get to Massachusetts, you can see a lot of these sites where these events happened, as well as in Philadelphia. So if you ever get a chance when this whole... Um, COVID-19 is done and we're able to travel and move around again. If you ever get a chance to go east and see um, stuff, there's a lot of this history is preserved and it's pretty cool. In fact, last summer I was um, uh, went along and, and saw a lot of stuff in Lexington and Concord and, and where Paul Revere, there's actually a, a spot, a, a monument about where he got stopped by those uh, 
by the, the the British soldiers since there's a plaque right there and since they're like okay this is the exact spot that I just read to you in the story um, I took some pictures of me standing there so it's, it's kind of cool it's, it's it, neat that history is there and you can see it so anyways stop back again tomorrow and we're gonna find out more about the battles of Lexington and Concord and um, again I'll share a personal story about uh, Concord with you in that next um chapter all right thanks for listening